Hey church, Pastor Cody here, and I just want to say thank you for stopping by and joining us in worship today. And while we're super excited that you're hanging out with us for this message, we also want to remind you that this is really just um, a supplemental resource that cannot and will not replace the local church. So while um, we're, we're glad that you're here, while we're glad that you're encouraged and, and, and uh, challenged and shaped by the Word of God that's being preached today, we also want to um, let you know that this is really just a substitute and in no way should forsake the uh, gathering together of the local church body. We believe that the local church is God's plan A in speaking the gospel. So please come hang out with us here at rest um, this Sunday morning with us or um, go find another Bible-believing church. Jesus is preparing the church um, that's close to you um, and he's challenged you to get plugged in there. Um, Jesus loves the church and we love Jesus and we believe that we can love Jesus better by being locally connected and serving her well. So um, just jump right in with us and we're glad you're here. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. It's the season of singing, Rest Church, and uh, evidently singing about our stuff. Let's give it up for these guys one more time. I'm Adam, one of the pastors here. Glad you're hanging out with us today. Uh, you know, a true test of manhood, it comes around every, at least once in every young man's life. And it's partly determined by whether or not you can uh, carry all of the bags in from her car into the house in one trip. And so whenever you prepare for this, what you typically do to, to get ready to get loaded up or you psych yourself up, if you're like me, you might limber up a little bit and stretch. And so what you do is you get all of the bags, you slide them onto one arm, take all the other bags, slide them onto the other arm. Uh, and then you try to shut the car door with your head or your leg or whatever you got left. And then you start to do your dance uh, through the front door, down the hallway, and uh, around some of the stuff, and eventually, inevitably, you make your way, you can come down to the kitchen, and when you get to the kitchen, you finally set your stuff down, don't set it down yet though, you set your stuff down on the counter, on the tabletop, and it's a victory for you, as the dog runs out the front door behind you that you left open, right? Now, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Maybe it's uh, pride, I do this because I can do this. Uh, perhaps it is stubbornness or laziness or just basic geometry that the fastest place from, from point A to point B is a straight line. And so I'll let you decide the why on why we do this. But church, is this quicker to do? Sure. Sure, of course it is. But can you maintain it through your whole life? Certainly not. Certainly not. Because carrying baggage is no way to live. Carrying baggage is no way to live. Let's give Isaac thanks. You can lay it down here. Yeah, hey, Cody, will you grab me a stool, buddy? Yeah, out of the back. Thanks so much. It is. And so, look, this Christmas season, you might be short on Gucci bags. You might be short on golf balls. You might be short on groceries. But what I can promise you um, that you're probably not short on is the baggage of life because we all have it. We accumulate bitterness. We accumulate distractions. Uh, and failures and just stuff. Thanks, buddy. I actually sent a survey out this past week to uh, a lot of our family here. 
Uh, some of you probably received that email. And in this email, what I did is I just asked uh, a simple question. I said, hey, here's some, here's some baggage that we deal with. And, and I asked some of our family to put that in order based upon what's most important to Rest Church collectively right now, what's most important to our church family. And in these categories of baggage, there was all sorts of stuff. There's loneliness, there's fear, there's worry, there's fear of death, uh, there's uh, bitterness, and lots of other things. And so what we've got coming up, church, is we've got this really cool Holy Spirit shift, say shift, that we're going to do come the Sunday after December 31st. So January 7th. January 7th. Tell your neighbor, January 7th. January 7th, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Psalm 23. And we're going to look at some of that baggage that we carry around together through the lens of Psalm 23. And it's going to be a really good thing. So I want you to take out your pen, take out your Bible, write it, write down that day, add it to your Gmail calendar, invite a friend, tell your neighbor again, January 7th. Do not miss the month of January at Rest Church. So that's all the stuff that's coming to town soon for us, but the baggage we're going to talk about today is our stuff. Just our stuff. And see, it's not wrong for you to own stuff. The issue is whenever our stuff owns us. In fact, up to 62% of people uh, admit to self-prescripting to retail therapy that they go shopping in order to cheer themselves up, uh, especially during the holidays. And I'm not saying that shopping is bad. Our God is generous with us, and so we should be generous with one another, uh, just as he has been generous to us. And so, man, if, if you have the means, man, bless your kids. Bless your grandkids. Uh, go buy your wife those earrings, okay? Bless your wife, because God is generous with us in that way. I'm not saying that shopping is bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. Don't mishear me in this. But what we do sometimes is that whenever we feel down, we think that if we have more stuff, that, that if we shop for more stuff, it'll fill this void inside that of the thing that we don't have that we could have. And so what do we do? We, we go to the store. We add to the cart. Uh, we swipe the card, and, and because at least for in that moment, that dopamine hits, right? And it feels really good, at least for just a few minutes. And so what we end up doing is we grab, we grab the stuff we don't even need with money we don't got to impress people we don't even know. And there's this lie we tend to follow, this trap of a lie that we fall into sometimes that says, hey, we need more stuff that we don't have to be happy. So if I get whatever that is, if I can just get that, then I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied. And the end principle of this is that that more is always better. But is it? Is, Is more always better, whether it's the shoes or the cars or the coffee or the clothes or whatever it is for you, when you do get that stuff, what seems to inevitably happen is that when we get that thing, we always end up right back where we started wanting more stuff, which is part of why Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that sometimes actually less is more and more is less. And he says it like this. This is the AMP version. So it should get you amped this morning. The AMP. It says this. One handful. Say one. One handful of rest and patience. It's better than two fists full of labor and chasing after the wind. It says that one handful can lead to rest. It can lead to patience because you've got another hand that's still open. While two fistfuls, two handfuls 
with all the stuff, it's a labor that's going to satisfy you as much as chasing the wind does. And it's so crazy to me that in a season that is supposed to be marked by peace, it is oftentimes filled with unimaginable pressures. Pressures to buy the right thing, to say the right thing, to go to, you know, every family member's place. There's so much pressure or, or around it. And so this morning, I need you to know that part of uh, for us to travel light this morning, it's, it's about, about getting your frozen, frozen on and letting, letting it go. go. Tell, Tell your, your neighbor, say, hey, let it go. Just tap them on the shoulder. Don't, Don't be big, big chief, chief, no fun staring at me. Say, hey, let it go. Tell that person especially, say, hey, you really need to let it go. Let it go. And so, so what we need this morning is we need some perspective, at a minimum. We need some perspective. And so what we're going to do today together is we're going to go and meet a mom. You know, moms have this really unique way of putting our stuff into perspective for us. And this is a mom you're probably familiar with. This is a mom named Mary. And Mary's going to help us look at and examine this morning. We started off service today with a song with John and and, and Connor and, and Mary, she has a song that she's singing to today. It's called the Magnificat. Say Magnificat. And this is named after the first line of the first words in Latin where she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Luke's Gospel. We'll go to chapter 1. We'll start in verse 46. And if it's okay with you, I'd like for all of us to just listen into all of, all of Mary's song together. So we'll read uh, 46 through around 56. Do you love Jesus for church? Are you ready to study his word this morning? Amen. This is the word of God. It says, Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. That's Mary's Magnificat. And in that, she's talking about magnifying the Lord. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord in church. See, all of us, we all magnify something. Someone, something, some stuff. And I just wonder this morning, if, if part of traveling light for us, what if the life that you have that's so full of your stuff is robbing you of the life that God really wants for you? That in this kingdom inversion that Mary talks about in the, 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 the text, that more is actually less. And so hear me on this. You are not your stuff. You are not what you drive. You are not where you live. You are not what you wear. And it's not wrong to own stuff as long as your stuff doesn't own you. And so as we look at this together, the first part, just the first couple of verses of Mary's song together, we're going to remember this today. This is how we're going to travel light because this is what we're going to remember. We're going to remember that we need to magnify what matters. This Christmas season, we're going to magnify what really matters. And so if you would, we'll pray together and then 
uh, continue this conversation on Mary's song. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that, that you would come and make Rest Church the kind of church that is completely disproportionate to our means. God, that you would make us generous as you are generous to those inside, those outside. And so when they see us, that it points to you, Jesus. As we consider this morning what it is we're magnifying, God, we pray that you would just set at the center, that you would open up your word, Holy Spirit, and speak to us, each one of us, exactly where we're at through what you've said, and then that we would do something with what you've God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, being born as a babe in the likeness of us because you get us. Thank you, Jesus. And in God's good name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to give you two big thoughts on our main concept of how we can magnify what matters. Two big thoughts, and it's this. Number one, Mary, she magnifies the Lord. That's number one, Mary magnifies the Lord. And then the second thing I want to point out this morning is that Mary, uh, she sets out this pattern of praise. She has a pattern of praise in her life, and we're going to see both affect Jesus in the end of this. Now, you may be wondering, if, if, if you're not super familiar with the story, what was it in particular that caused this uh, magnification from Mary? What kind of led up to this, this wonderful Magnificat? Why? Say why. Why should this song really matter that much to, to us? Well, prior to Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Uh, there's a series of stories that you've probably encountered before, either in the scriptures or, or through uh, cartoons on TV. And it, we, what we see is we see an archangel named Gabriel. Gabriel comes in. He, he comes to visit Mary, and he tells Mary, he says, hey, Mary, um, you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And so even though Mary isn't married at the time, and even though she's a virgin, the angel says to her, Mary, I know you're not married, but you're going to be pregnant. Happy holidays. And so being this unwed, pregnant teenager was probably not part of her four-year plan, of her life plan that she had imagined. And at first, Mary's response, as you can imagine, is surprise. She's surprised to say the least. But as she accepts what Gabe has said as part of God's plan, after a couple months go by, Mary decides to go and visit some family. She goes and takes a trip to Elizabeth's home. And Elizabeth also happens to be pregnant at that time with a baby uh, who is John the Baptist. And whenever Mary shows up to Elizabeth's doorstep, uh, baby John, little John, he's in Elizabeth's uh, belly. And whenever he notices Mary show up with the Lord Jesus inside of her, he, he leaps. He starts doing these somersaults inside of Elizabeth's belly at the presence of Jesus. Now, all of you moms who've been pregnant before, you can relate to this prenatal cartwheel. Amen. Right, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. You know what she's talking about, though. Well, in this moment, Luke 144, Elizabeth is filled with God, the Holy Spirit, and John the Baptist, who recognizes the significance of, of Mary's visit here. In this verse, it's just, <laughs> 144, it's just low-hanging fruit, and so we've got we've to plug it from the tree here. I can't just leave it alone. John, when he's in the belly and recognizes Jesus and Mary's belly, it reminds us this at a minimum, that God loves babes in the womb. Before they're born, they matter to him, and so they should matter to us too. 
John, whenever he recognized Jesus, it was almost as if God the Holy Spirit let John know to let his mom Elizabeth know that the person that John was being born to announce would come showed up at his doorstep. And this is so cool. And so in in response to all of these events, Mary now responds to this and she breaks out in song and she's expressing her joy and her gratitude and her praise to all of the things that God has done and is going to do in her life through her. So let's look at it together. This is verse 46. If you want to jump in there with me. Verse 46, it says this in 47. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In this moment here, Mary is so full of faith that God has given her from what he said about what he's going to do, that the Savior has come, that she could not keep quiet about it. She is literally overflowing, full of this faith of God's goodness and movement in her own life. And I just wonder, church, have you ever been in the same spot? Whenever, maybe you're going through some stuff and and God the Holy Spirit just shows up and he starts doing that God the Holy Spirit kind of stuff and you can't help but bust out for what God has done in your life. Has anybody been there before? You know what, you know what what Mary's experiencing here to a degree. And this isn't, this isn't just some philosophical concept for Mary. It's not just a throwaway sort of song, but this is real personal. For Mary, because Mary's reflecting on what it means for her to be chosen to carry the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord, the one who was promised to come and change everything and everyone. And in her response, Mary, what she doesn't do is Mary doesn't ma- magnify Mary. Mary doesn't magnify all of the obstacles that were there. Instead, it says she magnifies the Lord. Church, whenever we magnify, it means to zoom in, it means to enlarge, it means to, to blow up, it make, means to make a big deal about. In the Greek, it's the word megaluno, it's where we get the word mega here. And, and it's, this is Mary giving this mega shout out, turning the attention to what God is doing and what he's doing through her. Now on the flip side of this, for many of us, you know, December, it has this really unique way of, of magnifying too, of, of magnifying the human condition. And maybe you've experienced this. If you don't drive out to the mall next week and, and you will experience this. Like just think about, think about like uh, shopping right now. Think about Black Friday. And I know it was a big deal back in the day more so than it is really right now. But Black Friday rolls around and all of these lines start to form and like all of a sudden, John, you think you're in like a zombie apocalypse, like it's real life Hunger Games or something, right? Because everybody's going, it's like, may the odds ever be in your favor, Connor. You know, like you're, you're trying to get through and in the 90s, this fan, uh, fanaticism showed up with, you know, the Tickle Me Elmo. In the 2000s, it was the a thousand songs in your pocket with the iPod. It's the last fridge available. It's less uh, last Xbox or PS5 left on the shelf. Whatever everybody else is buying, for. This is why it's never wise to drink in prime on Cyber Monday, church. But December, it magnifies, it intensifies the human condition. And not just in our sin, not just in our, our selfishness, but also in our emotions. The holidays, they magnify our emotions. And this is why sometimes during the holiday season, the good times feel even better. And sometimes the, the bad times during the holiday, it feels even worse. 
the drama, the disappointments, they all get magnified in the month of December. And so look, you can't control what anybody else around you does to a large degree, but you can can always control how you respond. You can always control who you magnify. The question, and the question isn't if we do this, but it's really what do we do this to or, or who? The alcoholic, he magnifies the bottle. The workaholic magnifies success. The hypochondriac magnifies their health or their sickness. Some people magnify money. Some people magnify sex. Some people magnify approval. Some people magnify security. Mary, she magnified the Lord. And so what I'm getting at, church, is, is that you, if you've got, if you're, you constantly have two hands both full of stuff, then you're telling the what it is that you magnify. Ecclesiastes 4, 6, one hand full of rest and patience is better than two fists full of labor and chasing after the wind. We have to learn to magnify what matters. We need this seasonal shift. And so I'll just ask you this morning, what baggage are you carrying around in your mind? Are you magnifying what really matters? Mary goes on to say in this pattern of praise with verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And the words there uh, are kind of interchangeable between soul and spirit in these two verses of 46 and 47. But it's this reiterated pattern that shows up, this pattern of praise that Mary has. And I want to point out specifically this morning, Mary, she's in need of a lot of stuff, but she's in need of more than just stuff. She's in need, if you'll look there, of a Savior. She's in need of a Savior. And she's rejoicing that the Savior is finally on his Way. And so she sings because Jesus is bigger than anything else to her. And in Mary's Magnificat, there are dozens of connecting points to the Old Testament scripture. She knows the word. She knows the Torah. And I'm not going to go through all, all of them, but in Mary's day, you wouldn't have had, you know, your own personal Bible to carry around and, and read through. But the text would have been written on scrolls. And it, it might have been read in synagogue, but it wasn't easily accessible to you or to someone like me. Beyond that, there's no chapters yet. There's no verses. There's no road markers put in place. So it's virtually impossible to go in and to look up a particular text without reading the whole thing. And one scholar that was looking in at Mary's Magnificat actually suggested that perhaps Mary memorized the entire book of Psalms. And so Mary knows her word. And it's the way that, not that she knows it, but the way that she reflects on it that is so extraordinary. And she, and she sings. She just sings. You know, it's interesting to me how we oftentimes get marked by the songs that we sing, by the songs that we're immersed in. A whole lot, and I, and I was just thinking about how, you know, parents, uh, they oftentimes sing to their babies when they're little, Connor, even if like, it sounds like a cat trying to play the bagpipes, you know, they, they still sing to their, to their babies, and I was, I, Jackson was taking a bath, my a nine, nine-year-old now, uh, this past week, and I heard, here out of the shower, I hear him saying, uh, singing, I trust in God, my Savior, the one never failed and my heart was just so full because I know exactly where he heard that song from church and uh just so you don't think that our family's like a Ned Flanders uh kind of overly 
hyper-spiritual family. Uh, Jordy, whenever he gets in the car with my wife sometimes, uh, Laura will play this uh, Taylor Swift song. And um, it's, it's, so, it's so awesome. She's telling me about it. I just want to play a short clip of it. I'm not trying to overload you with T-Swift, but I just want to play a little clip so you can get the picture, and I'm not going to attempt to sing it. So go ahead and play that. So he'll, he'll be sitting, he's four, and, and he'll be sitting in the car with her, and he'll chime in, uh, stay this little. And I, li- I don't know if other parents do this or not, but I like to make up songs and remix songs. I'll hear my kids singing them sometimes. It's really fun for me. It's probably going to be years of therapy for them, you know. Uh, uh, but I, I, I think it's, you know, interesting if you hear a song enough, repeated enough, often enough, what happens is that their song becomes your song. And Mary, she had, had the song to sing that the whole world needed to hear. And I just think about how much it must have pleased our Heavenly Father whenever he thought about this song of Mary's and that this would be the song that, that his son would hear often. And, and, you know, I bet that she sang this song to Jesus all the time. And in fact, the way that this text is written is that this wasn't just some throwaway song, but this was central to the core of who Mary was and what God had shown to, to Mary. And, and what's so amazing looking at this song is to see how later it was Jesus's life coming come to life because Mary she must have she must have told Jesus about how the angel Gabriel had come to her and 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 he was like this is going to happen and and Mary was like no this is impossible this there's there's no way she says in Luke 137 uh, um, this is impossible and then Gabriel tells her hey nothing is impossible with God and she must have said that so many times to the Lord Jesus, nothing is impossible with God. And then one day as Jesus was come teaching, as he got older in Matthew 19, he said these words. He said, with God, all things are possible. And you go, man, where, where in the world? You know, I wonder where he got, where he got that from. And, and I can almost just hear Jesus saying, hey, mom, I'm, I'm singing our song. Mary sang to Jesus that God had blessed her in this song. Even though Mary's life didn't have a lot of stuff and it looked really insignificant, she said this in Luke 148, that God had been mindful of her. Look at it. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And what that means is that, so in the eyes of the world, Mary didn't look like much. She didn't have a whole bunch of stuff. But behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She must have told Jesus about that so many times. And as Jesus grew up, he went on to, to give this talk one day, and he said these words in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is one of the central characteristics of, uh, of Jesus' heart whenever he's talking about kingdom life, and, and it's called sometimes the great inversion. And you've heard this, the last is actually going to be first. The least shall be the greatest. The slaves are going to be on top. Those who want to receive life will actually give their life away. And I want you to see that this great inversion also may be the central theme of Mary's song. Look at it, verse 52. She says, the humble will be lifted up. Verse 52, she says, the rulers will be humbled. And then verse 53, she says, God fills the hungry with good things. And I I just wonder, reading that, whenever Jesus was out teaching or feeding the 4,000, the 5,000, 
if, if he looked and thought back, man, mom, I'm, I'm, fe- I'm feeding the hungry with some really good things. I, I wonder how many times when Jesus was a little boy, Mary would bring Jesus up and just set him on her lap. And, and how Jesus might ask, Mommy, could you, could you sing it in? Could you sing the one about how big our God is? Because Mary knew what it was to praise God. It set this pattern for Jesus to know what it meant to praise. As Mary knew what it was to magnify, Jesus had a representative in front of him to know what it meant to magnify and so church this morning, I, I just wonder, I wonder if Rest Church, if we could become the kind of church that would just unleash and just empower and equip everybody that walks through our doors to go out and sing the song that God has created them to sing. One that magnifies what really matters. And you've probably heard this quote before. It says this, you can't throw stones while you're washing feet. You can't throw stones while you're washing feet. I want you to know that the exact opposite principle of this is true as well when it comes to magnifying God. Because whenever both of your hands are full, it's really hard for you to magnify what matters in your life. See, there's no way that you can love people the way that you've been created to love them when both of your hands are full with stuff. There's no way you can wrap your, your arm around a brother or a sister. You're just, you don't have the time. It's just heavy. You've got so much going on when both hands are full. But what if, church, what if you were to set one down And it freed this hand up. And all of a sudden, now you have, you've got a little more time. You've got a little more options. Where now, now, you can, now you can praise God. Now you can wrap your arm around your brother or your sister who, who, who needs help. Because one hand of, of it is like rest and, and patience. But trying to carry it, it all, it's like chasing after the wind. And it's a labor in vain. Are you magnifying what matters? Because whenever you do, it's going to change the way you think about everything else. Everything looks different when you magnify God. When you magnify God and zoom in on Him, fears that get smaller, worries that get smaller, relational conflict, family stuff, it all gets smaller. Whenever you magnify the right things, church, on the other side of that, there's so much joy and, and freedom and, and, and time, and you can get to this place in life where, where, where you're so full of God that you don't need other stuff to fill that void. Are you magnifying what matters. As we bow our heads this morning and just think about Mary's song and what the Lord might say to us in it. You know, to be honest for me, as our heads are 
bowed and our eyes are closed. Sometimes it's really hard to travel light. Whenever we we close the, the chapter on Rest Church Metropolis, put it on a pause, for now, like, it lightened our load in a lot of ways, um, but it hurt a whole lot, too. And, and sometimes, you know, sacrifice, it, it always hurts, especially whenever it comes to our own egos. And so I, what I want to do this morning with you, believer, is I want to encourage you. The word encourage, it means, to, it means to put courage in you. And so if I could just put some courage, encourage you this morning, just with a few questions to prompt you. Number one, what in your life is God asking you to set down so it can free up one of your hands? What is God asking you to set down? Our our pastor Jason, a few weeks ago, he told us, he said, he's like, you guys, you need to start giving the gift of no. Who is it, where is it that you need to give the gift of no at in, in this season? Because sometimes what we do is like we say, man, this is, we've got all of these good things. I'm doing so many good things. And a lot of times the good things get in way of the God things. What is it that you need to set down this morning? Number two, what in your life could you literally set down? Could you literally give away to declutter, to de-own, to just throw some stuff out, to get rid of the stuff that doesn't matter so you can make room for the stuff that really does? Where Jesus isn't just this accessory at Christmas that we hang on a tree, but he's the center of it. Are there some things in your life you could just get rid of? It's okay to have stuff as long as your stuff doesn't have you. And number three, lastly, perhaps you won't get the gift that you desire most this season. Maybe that we we love babies. It reminds us of the Lord Jesus we're talking about this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you won't get the gift that you're looking for this season. Maybe that's a, a, a material gift. Maybe that is healing. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's, it's emotional. Can I just remind you of some of the gifts that God has given you, those of you who are in Christ this morning? Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weak and power to the powerless. He's given you the gift of faith, Romans 12, 3, that will last whenever storms of life crash in on you. He's given you God the Holy Spirit himself to live in you, to work for you, to work through you, to accomplish his will. He has given you salvation and the promise of a homecoming that no earthly potluck could begin to rival, church. You have something to sing about this morning. You have something to magnify because of where you stand at in Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, you're in Christ, I just want you to bring that to him right now. In gratitude and praise and thanks, just go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all of these good gifts. When you magnify the right things and what God has done, it makes the things that are, are being undone get a lot smaller.